And welcome, everybody, to Faith Church Chats. I'm your host, Isaiah Gearlings. Um, thanks for joining us today on our eighth episode. Um, today with us, we have uh, Pastor Marsha Bosma. Marsha, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me, Isaiah. Of course. Um, before we do um, some questions, could you please introduce, you, introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah, so I am Marsha Bosma. And I'm Pastor of Spiritual Formation and Mission is my official title at Faith. And I have been at Faith Reformed since August of last summer, so August of 2019. I moved to Zealand with my son, Luke, who is 15 and a half. He is a freshman at Zealand West High School. And then my daughter, Lauren, who just turned 12, and she is a sixth grader in the Spanish immersion program at Zealand Christian right now. And we moved from Grand Rapids, so not too far away. Awesome. Um, So let's start with um, some questions. Um, What was the process that you took um, back in August of last year when applying to become a pastor here at Faith? Yeah, so when churches decide to call a pastor, there's a pretty lengthy process involved. So that the total time, actually, I first submitted my information to the search team, I believe the first week of February of 2019. And um, officially the church voted to extend a call to me at the end of June. So um, it was several months, but what happens is basically people who are applying put together usually a fairly extensive portfolio Um, answering various questions about themselves and kind of their um, theology and ministry experience. And then um, you submit that along with a cover letter and resume and also generally attach um, several sermons that you've done. So the search team can listen to those and review um, all the information. And then I think my first interview with the search team itself was probably sometime in late April. Um, And then from there, they eventually narrowed down that I was their final candidate. And then I came to meet the church on a Sunday. We had some follow-up like town hall kind of meetings where people could come and meet me and ask questions, that kind of thing. Um, Had a few more kind of smaller meetings with Jonathan and the chair of the search team. Um, And I would say Not only is it really important for the church to be figuring out, you know, is this the person God is calling to us? Um, But the the pastor, their calling is also discerning if it's the right fit. Um, And because my family situation is a little bit unique, um, I think on all sides, um, we just wanted to be sure that it was the right fit, that it would be a great place um, for my family to thrive and that I would be um, the right kind of pastor that the church was looking for too. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Um, what has been the best part about being a pastor here at Faith? I would say the best part really is just meeting people. I mean, it takes a while to really get to know people well, but every every opportunity, you know, just to sit together over a Wednesday night meal or to talk on a Sunday morning or maybe in one of our spiritual formation times. Um, I have an ongoing Thursday night group with some of the young adult women. So I've gotten to know them quite deeply. 
Um, and that's just by far, I think the best thing is getting to know the people of a community and just um, falling in love with, with the people at Faith Church. So um, I love the actual work that I do, um, but the best part is certainly the people. Um, and I want to just comment too, I love working with our staff team. Faith has just a really great staff team um, that I respect and I have fun with and just really enjoy doing ministry alongside. So that's really been great too. Yeah, and I have to attest to your last comment about having a great staff. I had the privilege of interning uh, with you a little bit at the end of the summer last year, and I can also attest that we have a great staff. Um, so thanks for that. Um, what is what is the best part about living in West Michigan? Yeah, so for me, I would say my family being here. Um, I grew up in West Michigan, and so it's just really fun that my kids have a relationship, you know, with grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins. Um, I am one of five kids. And so I have several siblings as well as, you know, spouses of theirs and um, lots of cousins. And so those times are just, I think, especially precious. My kids are similar ages as their cousins here. And so um, that's a really great thing. Um, that was one of the things that really drew us back to West Michigan after having lived on the West Coast for quite a while. Um, and then the other thing I would say is that I just love the lakes. Um, it's really hard to beat Lake Michigan, as most people here know. Um, it was just always baffling to me when living in Washington, how few people really understood how big the lakes actually are. Um, and yeah, just love a day at the beach, love the wind in my hair and hearing the crashing waves and feeling the sand in my feet. Um, that will never get old. Love that. Yeah, I, I, I love also being, going to the beach and just having that warm air and just having that Michigan weather all around us. So thanks for that. Um, what is your favorite topic to preach on? Yeah, so... I would say, this might sound a little odd, but I, I like preaching about some of the tougher things in life and just reminding people that it's okay to bring all of ourselves to God, to bring all of the emotions, you know, to lament when we're grieving, um, that it's okay to bring our mistakes, um, that we have a God of grace. I think it just comes a lot out of some of the experiences of my own life that, you know, so often we feel like we have to have it all together in the church and even before God. And yet he reminds us over and over that he just wants us to be with him. You know, he wants us, he wants a relationship with us and he loves us no matter what that means, no matter what we are like at that moment in time. Um, and so I just, I like to preach, I guess, on just the authenticity that I think God invites us to have um, in relationship with him. That's awesome. Um, so you kind of explained the your title of spiritual formation and mission. What is your as specific role as pastor of spiritual formation and mission? 
my job actually has a lot of different aspects to it, which is something I love um, because I love to do a lot of different things um, in the church. So spiritual formation would be all different things that are just ways that we might be growing and forming, you know, to become more like Christ. And so right now in my first year, what that looked like was a lot of um, classes, you know, leading some different study options. I don't know yet for sure what that will look like moving forward because of, um, you know, we're just unsure when we'll be reopening and what that it will exactly look like. Um, but generally I would oversee spiritual formation, formation, excuse me, for the church. So um, there are staff members who specifically work with, you know, the teens, that'd be Danielle, um, Sarah and Stacy with the kids, um, but we work together kind of as a whole team um, to be talking about how we wanna be helping people learn and grow. And then mission to me, really goes beautifully right with spiritual formation because I believe the more we are formed to live like Christ, the more we will just naturally be part of his kingdom building. And that mission for me really is something that, you know, it can be a big thing, but it can also just be listening to the nudges of the Holy Spirit in everyday life. And so, you know, part of my work there is to just continue to educate and help people to see that mission can be something really a, a daily way of living and just ways that we can partner both with local mission organizations and options as well as international. So um, I've gotten to know some of our international missionaries. That's been really fun um, and partnered with, you know, just some local things here too. So it's a wide variety, which I love. And then also I work with our young adults. So um, kind of in different ways, just some fellowship things, as well as, um, like I said, I have a group of young women on Thursday nights that gathers um, right now by Zoom, um, working on a project, which we'll probably talk about in a little bit um, for young adults. And then I preach about once a month and just generally I'm available also as a pastor, just, you know, for counseling or um, pastoral care needs that come up in the community as well. Fantastic. Um, how do you connect uh, with God in a, on a daily basis? It really, for me, depends on the day, actually. So I always spend some time in prayer and in the Word. Some days I might pick up a devotional, um, a lot of times I do. Right now I'm working through one um, by Walter Brueggemann, who is a, um, he's an Old Testament professor at a seminary down south um, that I just really appreciate. On days that I have a little more time, then I often will, you know, maybe just dive into some learning, you know, maybe reading. I love to read Eugene Peterson. Um various, even just sometimes commentaries. That probably sounds a little nerdy, but um, I love to just be able to dive into what I'm reading in the Word and then kind of dig further into it. Sometimes I go on walks and I'll do my prayer time while I'm walking. I really like that. Um, if I have time, maybe I'll journal a little bit. So it kind of just depends on the day and how much time I have. One thing I would say that I learned for myself is that if I try too hard to be perfectionist about my daily time with God, 
it can too quickly turn into something I'm checking off my to-do list. And so I try instead to just give myself some flexibility to say, some days that might mean that it's more of a discipline and I can do 20 minutes and that's what I've got today. But then other times, for example, um, you know, if I have a Saturday morning and the kids are kind of sleeping in and I'm up and I just have some time, then to take that time um, to be able to, to maybe spend a little bit more, um, I don't know, reflecting or to just sit in silence in prayer. Um, someone had said to me a while ago that felt helpful to me to try to stay with a rhythm of doing devotions daily, taking a Sabbath weekly, which I try really hard to do um, because I feel like it's really important to just have that rhythm of slowing down. Um, it's a, it really a sense of trusting God that I can stop doing and know that you actually are in control of all of this, God. Um, so taking a Sabbath weekly and then trying, I'm not great on this one right now, but to take maybe a half a day monthly to just consider like a mini retreat that I could just dive into maybe a particular topic or pray about a particular thing um, and then try to take a vacation yearly that I just, you know, get away and really try to unplug. So those are some kind of, you know, some of the larger rhythms that I try to stick with too. Awesome. And I think that you hit the uh, hammer on the head with the, uh, uh, check off thing where I've struggled with that too myself in my rhythms where I've where I've like oh I've got it this to do this to do this to do and one of those things is to read the Bible just like oh yep I've done read that check off and I think and I think some people have too struggled with that and it's not just uh, one particular person it's just that we have to dwell in our time when we have the chance to because I know with our lives we're super busy we have things to do places to be. And I think we have to spend the most um, of our time as possible um, in God's presence. So uh, thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely find it. It's a balance, right? I mean, there's something about spiritual disciplines. The reason we call them disciplines is because it takes discipline sometimes to create that space. Um, But that I just found for myself, sometimes it moved me into a place of guilt and shame. And so trying to recognize, you know, let's focus on the spirit of it um, rather than the, the legalism of it at times. And that's been really helpful for yeah, me. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so next question, um, tell us a little bit about uh, your trip that you took to California um, with some people for uh, Fuller Youth Institute. Yeah, so it was me, Danielle Rune, Emily Van Dyken, and Tina South, and we we're able to fly out to Fuller um, Seminary, which is in Pasadena. So I'm um, just outside LA. So we kind of joked about, yeah, rough, you know, going to California for work. Um, we had beautiful weather. So that was truly a gift in um, February. Actually, it was early March, I guess. Uh, but while we were there, we were working really hard, actually. So our team has been given a grant um, through the Lilly Foundation, and then it's um, kind of through then Fuller Youth Institute. And so we were there with teams from churches all over the country. And we are thinking through a project that we will be doing this fall 
with young adults specifically. And the project um, that Fuller Youth Institute is asking us to work on has to do with kind of rethinking or innovating around a spiritual practice. And we specifically, after a lot of prayer and a lot of brainstorming and discernment time while we were there, have decided we're actually going to do a project around lament. Um, so we're working on that right now. And so while we were there, we just did a lot of think tank kind of stuff. I mean, it was just really interesting to see how, I mean, just when we thought we can't possibly come up with another idea, they would say, okay, for the next six minutes, we're going to have six sticky notes and you get one minute to write an idea and then we'll ring the bell and then next sticky note. And um, it just was amazing to kind of see the ideas that were coming together. So yeah, that's what we're um, right now finishing up our proposal that we're submitting um, to Fuller Youth Institute for the grant money. And then um, we'll be looking into that um, and sharing more about that soon. So it was perfect, a lot of perfect. fun. Awesome. Um, what do you miss um, most about not worshiping with a full congregation? Oh, there's so many things that I do miss. So I'll name a few. Um, certainly just the people being there. I, I miss just being able to have conversations with people and to be present with people. It's not the same over Zoom. And I think, too, just being able to pick up on, you know, the nonverbals. I mean, on a Sunday morning, just to just notice who seems a little quiet today. Who is usually the social butterfly that is just kind of sitting quietly? Um, who looks really excited? You know, who looks like maybe they had a great week? Um, who's not there? You know, sometimes that can speak volumes if there's somebody that is always there that suddenly isn't and, you know, that we just, we wonder, right? And so we follow up on things. And so I think missing just the physical presence with people. Um, and then I really miss singing with people. I love to sing and it is just different. Um, and as pastors and staff who often sit in the very front, <laughs> we have, you know, the benefit of like hearing all the voices behind us. And so that I really miss. And then I would say, I just miss having people to actually, um, in the preaching moment there, um, People might not realize this, but preachers read the congregation a lot as they're preaching. I mean, you, you really do kind of need that energy in the room and, and just being able to see, okay, is this connecting with people? Do I feel like I'm, am I dragging on too long? Do I need to maybe cut this point a little shorter and move on? I mean, you definitely learn how to kind of read your community as you're preaching. So I know Jonathan would agree with me. We've talked about this a lot. It is just weird to preach to a camera. Um, so we will be so happy when we can see faces again in that. Same here on this side. Um, I've got one more question for you, Marcia. Um, what is a message that you can share with the congregation um, about hope during this time of COVID-19? There's a lot of different things I could say, but I, I just, I guess I'll share personally. 
So as many people in our community know, our family went through a really difficult season over the last few years. And so I guess the word of hope that I want to say to people is we are going to get through this. Um, it will be hard. It is hard. I am always quick to say, you know, we need to name what's hard. We don't need to ignore it or stuff it under the rug. I mean, it's okay to grieve the losses. Absolutely. So I'm not minimizing in any way how hard this is. But I also know that God is with us. And I know that deeply because I experienced it in my own life and what that was like to go through a season in which, I mean, there were just days that I really was not sure if I could keep going. And I could. I think seasons like this, we find out that we're stronger than we ever knew. And we find out that God really is more present than we often realize. And I also think these seasons can be areas of growth for us. None of us like it. It's kind of like when our moms, you know, said to us always as kids, like, oh, this is character building. And we'd say, ah, stop saying that. I don't want character building right now. Right. <laughs> but it is, I mean, we will, we will come out of this and look back and say, okay, you know, I learned some things about myself. I learned some things about community. And I have hope actually that there might be some beautiful fruit that comes out of this. You know, that this is a time in which we're reevaluating a little bit how much people really matter. I think that's huge in a world that's becoming increasingly more lonely and disconnected. I think we're realizing how important it is to stay in actual physical relationship with people, like to create space to see and be with people. I think we're realizing how much corporate worship matters that, you know, we probably take for granted that we have that ability to come together and worship together. Um, and I think for a lot of families that are really, really busy, it's a season in which we're maybe realizing, hmm, being home a little more might have some good things too. Like I know for me and my kids, we are just really appreciating time to have regular dinners together, devotions together, um, just the, the extra rest, I guess, that this season has provided. So yeah, so I guess that would be my word of hope. It's just that I know it's hard, but I know it's not going to last forever. And I do trust that God is going to bring fruit out of even this very difficult time. Amen to that. Um, thanks, uh, Marsha, again for being on uh, this podcast with me. Yeah, thanks. It was really fun to talk to you. Yeah. Um, would you mind? Yeah. Uh, would you mind closing us in prayer? Would love to. Let's awesome, pray. Awesome. Creator God, in this spring season, we're just reminded again of the life that you give. And Lord, that kind of reminder brings us so much hope. As right now, the days can feel long. The future is uncertain and unknown, and that doesn't feel very good. God, there's been a lot of losses and a lot of disappointments in this season. 
we know that we can name those to you. And yet, God, we place our hope and trust in you because we know that you are good. We know that you are with us and we know and believe that you do bring life even out of the most difficult things. Thanks, God, for continuing to be a God of life. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Thanks again, Marcia. Yeah, great. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye.